0: Yesterday was a beautiful day. Woke up in the morning, saw how beautiful it was, I said, we should go boating today. Get out there, do a little boating. You know what I'm talking about? Because the weather report said there was a 0% chance of rain. Now, that's kind of unusual. Usually you see 10%, 15%, 30% chance of rain, whether it rains, you know, small percent. But zero. This means, of course, there's no chance there can be any rain today. So, all right, it's going to be a great day. Went out on the bay and floating around, having a great time out there for a few hours. Now, on my boat, I have this big Yo Mama display, almost as big as this thing, with this advanced color radar. I can see weather happening in California. Why do I have such an advanced thing? Just because I'm me. And I buy electronic nonsense. And I just love toys. So I got the state-o-the-art. Which yesterday is not working. Because I didn't worry about it. Because there's 0% chance of any ray. So I'm not even thinking. Everybody's out there just grooving and stuff. And... All of a sudden, we look off to the side, to the west, and here is this wall of black death and doom moving our direction. And I'm like, there's zero percent chance. So we fire up the boat, because all the other boaters are like, ah! So all these boats just fire up, and we're all hauling tail trying to get back in now in retrospect it would have been smarter just to put the anchor down and ride it out and then go home when it was calm but no no I'm going to beat it (laughs) so so I'm roaring and the waves it starts to hit and the waves are getting bigger and bigger and pretty soon my grandchildren are flying around and they're like you know like one of these uh, space things where they practice weightlessness you know no (laughs) because <laughs> they're going, wee, wee. <laughs> Yeah, they thought it was awesome. I'm like, ah! And there's like boats everywhere. I mean, we're just, you're supposed to be like 100 feet from each other or whatever, but nobody cared at this point. It's like, just don't kill the next guy. <laughs> and that thing hit, and it was not so much rain as one thing, but the wind. I mean, this is what knocked out, you know, power lines and did all the damage around her. So it hits the bay. And this wind's coming in 40, 50, 60 miles an hour, just as we are coming alongside Bird Island. You know, those of you who don't know the bay out there, it's called Bird Island because it's full of birds. And uh, and it smells horribly, just bird caca everywhere, it's quite dreadful. But uh, if you ever ever need to clear your silences, just drive by Bird, bird Island. And anyway, so, and of course there's rocks all around this thing. And suddenly, this thing hits 50 mile an hour. are pushing the boat full speed ahead as I'm driving right into the rocks. And it's like, ah! And I mean, and I'm, I'm turning and I'm going like this, just trying to try maintain here. We just missed that pile of rocks by feet. And my son said, he closed his eyes, he was waiting for the crash. You know, real man of faith. But uh, anyway, <laughs> so then, and then we get past that, and of course, now. I mean the waves are going crazy. Rain you can't hardly see. And I felt sorry for the guys in the little itty bitty boats. You know, they're like, oh uh, a, a sailboat or two capsized people are being thrown in the water. I mean it's nasty. Now I'm lousy at docking a boat when it's calm. You should see me in fifty mile an hour wind. I mean, this is, oh, we're trying to get in, at times I've got the boat, full power in reverse, two engines, and it wouldn't move. That's how, it was crazy. It's amazing we didn't hit anything or kill anybody. Finally, we got it secured in there in the dock, we tied it down, it was like, <laughs> all because there was 0% chance of rain. So, anyway, the guys over in Stevens Point, you're up to a 30% chance of rain today. You all may die. Anyway, (laughs) I mean, if that's zero, man, I don't want to be around 30. Oh, heaven knows what's going to happen today. Weather people, they don't know Jack. All right. Uh, We have uh, today 40 people from all the different campuses are going. Is that what all you guys are over here with the shirts? We all stand up. Oh, but these guys are all going down to Joplin, Missouri from our church. That's, that's awesome. What, what, what does that say? What is all that? take me an hour and a half to read it and I feel like I'd be, be being inappropriate. i got to tell you at some point they're staring at all that. But uh, Ordinary people doing extraordinary things, making extraordinary impact. Oh, very cool. That's our guys. Hallelujah. God bless you guys. <laughs> Fabulous you can sit down alright so they're going down there Are you spending the whole week is that the deal? so they're taking off time from work and stuff like that vacation time these kids go down and going to help uh, some of the churches and stuff down there rebuild after all the tornadoes and stuff that went through there that was so devastating so we're glad that we can be a part of that Well, I tell you you want to really be blessed you want God to bless your life bless somebody else you want God to bless your life bless somebody else do something for somebody else It's life-changing stuff. All right, now we are doing a series on faith. And uh, we'll be in this for several weeks. We've already been in it for a few weeks. We're reading from Hebrews, the 11th chapter, verse 6. And without faith, the Bible says, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists. And that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Now we're talking about faith. Kind of faith that changes stuff. Not faith like, gee, do you believe in God and that kind of ethereal faith. You know, if you don't believe in God, you know, we're leaving you in the dust on this deal. We'll have to work on that some other time. But At least you're here today. But we're talking about, not that, I'm talking about real faith that does something. That actually gets God to show up in your life and change your circumstances. Life-changing faith. Circumstance-changing faith. That's what we're talking about. Now notice it says he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now I got to tell you, I must admit I am by nature a poor seeker, a looker of things. Just ask the redhead. I'll say where is such and such? She says it's in the cupboard. I'll open the cupboard and go, I don't see it. She says move stuff around. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Same way, someone tells me to look in a room for something, I just stick my head in the room and go, I don't see it. And then she yells at me, which I deserve. But anyway, I am not a very good seeker. But when we're talking about seeking after God, he's not talking about opening the cover and going, I
1: don't see anything.
0: He's talking about moving stuff. Moving things in your life. Really seeking and chasing After him. Why? Because God loves it when we seek him. Deuteronomy, the fourth chapter, says this, but if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him. Everybody say will. Will. You will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. In Lamentations, we read this, the Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. God loves it when you seek him. Because if there's one thing we know about God, and this is from the beginning, God wants you to want him. This is why from the beginning he says, you shall have no other gods before you. He says over and over again through his revelation in the scriptures, I am a jealous God. I don't want you loving other stuff more than you love me. If you put me first, Jesus said, seek first. Everybody say first. (laughs) Seek first the kingdom of God. And all the stuff that you so desperately need will be given to you. I don't believe that. That's why your life stinks. All right? But if you seek him first, God will bless you. Because the Bible says he rewards those who diligently seek him rewards, now you have to, we're talking rewards, we're not talking tip God isn't a tipper you know, some of you go to lunch after this and you'll figure out your tip for lunch some of you are so tight you squeak you know, you pull out your calculator, come up to the exit penny of what that percentage is you know, just. but God is not a tipper, He's a rewarder He generously rewards those who seek I'm talking about Ho Chi Mama, wow, I have been rewarded. Now there's two camps of Christians. There are those who are rewarded and those who don't seem to get rewarded. These people's lives seem to be unusually blessed. These people's lives suck. In fact, their complaint is everywhere they go, they hear this big sucking sound over their head. And they're always crying, my life is so terrible. Because you're not getting rewarded. Why not? Because you don't seek. You don't seek. Remember, it's seeking after God, having faith in God that moves mountains. It's not crying, belly aching, and complaining. If crying, panicking, belly aching, and complaining brought miracles, man, we'd have more miracles than we could count. Everybody panics, everybody freaks, everybody cries, everybody belly aches. Ah say, why doesn't God help me? Because you're a belly acher. Stop bellyaching, get into a place of faith, and seek after God, because God wants you to want Him. Now, there's a difference between being needed and wanted. This is a very common complaint among couples, and as I deal with couples all over the world, it's a very common complaint. It can come from a man, it can come from a woman. But where they complain that the other spouse, they don't feel wanted. Oftentimes the other spouse replies, I do need you. He didn't say need. He said wanted. There's a difference between being needed. And at some level people like to be needed. I get that. But we're not talking needed. At some point, people desire to be wanted. Desire to be changed. Desire to be sought after. Um, that's the whole wedding vow. When you stand before the God in the altar and you say, I promise to cherish and take care of and what you're saying is, I want this person. Can you imagine on your wedding day, ladies? The pastor looks at the guy and says, do you cherish, want, and this, want this woman? he goes, well, no, but I, I really need someone to cook for me. <laughs> you know, and she, she, she cleans really well. I, I, I really want that. I need that. I need that. Well, you'd knock them over the head. Same with women. A lot of women can be just as guilty. A lot of guys, they complain. They don't feel wanted by their wives. They feel needed. She needs the paycheck. She needs me to fix things. She needs... But it doesn't feel very wanted by her. This is a kiss of death on relationships. You can need each other straight to divorce court. In fact, divorce court is finally figuring out how... We're going to fix everybody's needs in the end. It's not need. The sense of being needed that helps people succeed. It's the desire to be wanted. God is no different. He (laughs) wants to be wanted by you and by me. Oftentimes, we get more sidetracked about what we want than wanting God. We desire the gift more than the giver. You get into a place you de- I desperately need this gift. Oh god, I need this a pastor pray for. Me. I need this gift. You're probably not going to get it. Because you desire the gift more than you desire the giver of the gift. Remember when we started this, I read to you from that account in the New Testament where Jesus was up there praying with his disciples and all of a sudden Moses and Elijah shows up and they all said, oh look at Moses and Elijah, this is awesome, let's really celebrate this. And a cloud comes over and God says, this is my son, listen to him. And they were looked up, they only saw Jesus. The focus is about God, being focused on God. We by nature love to be let our attention get to other things. We get more compassionate about and passionate about things than we do God. It's been a problem of the human condition since Adam and Eve fell in the garden. If this morning, I had announced this last week, I got on the news and Channel Five or whatever said this this week at Celebration Church, we actually are going to have on display a piece of the actual cross that Jesus was crucified on. We have it as all, and, and no one doubted it, it was in fact certified that this is actually a piece of the cross that Jesus died. Do you know this place this morning would be packed to overflowing? There would be so many, there would be cars streaming into here. People would be flying in from California and Oregon and every place else. And why? To see a thing connected to God. We get more excited about things. We could build a nice little shrine out here, you know. We could have the cross shrine. And people would come for it. I'll tell you people get crazy about this stuff. People go nuts if they burn a piece of toast and it has an image of Jesus on it. And it's the toast with Jesus picture on it. And people come for miles and say I'm telling you, it's an insult to God. It's an insult to God. They won't come to seek after God. They won't come to celebrate God. They'll come to see something or touch something that maybe God touched. Because they love stuff more than they love God. I read to you the story of the Old Testament where Moses put the snake up on a pole. And if they got bitten by a poisonous snake, they look at the bronze snake and they'd be healed miraculously. And what did they do? They turned around and started worshipping the snake. Made it into an idol. It's the nature of man. God is not pleased by such behavior. He wants to be wanted by you. Now, God so loves it when we seek after Him that He will often either allow or create, and I don't care which, oftentimes Christians argue over this point of doctrine. I really don't care. It doesn't matter well did God allow it or was it who cares the bottom line is it's hitting the fan in your life God will either allow it or create it to based on your theology in your head bad things to happen for one reason to cause you to seek him because God loves to play hide and seek it's one of his favorite games he will create circumstances in your life or all of a sudden He's hiding, and now you got to go find him. Now the good news is this. It's a rigged game. Because we read that if you seek him, you will find him. It's a foregone conclusion. And the stronger your faith, the greater the challenge will be. If you're young at this, new at this, you'll find it's very easy to find God. It's kind of like when I'm playing hide and seek with a two-year-old. Uh, I'll hide behind something like this. Say, okay, come and find me. And they'll go, ah, and they'll go in circles for a few minutes because they can't figure it out yet. You know, until they go,
1: oh, there he is, ah,
0: oh, you found me. Now, if you're 16, the game gets a little more complicated. (laughs) I don't hide behind one of these. I find someplace else harder to find. But it's still the game. And the game is rigged. You will find him. Pastor, I can't find him. I a million miles away. What's wrong? You're not looking. Because if you seek him, you will find him. He loves to play this game. Oftentimes, when things go foul in your life, it's not God is mad at you. It's not God's ticked off at you. He's starting to play hide and seek. Ready or not, here I come. But instead of going, ready or not, here I come. We go... And we whine and we bellyache and we cry and we freak. Every God doesn't care about me. Now, sometimes circumstances go bad in your life because it's not hide and seek. Let's talk about this for a minute. It's called discipline. You don't hear many sermons about this. not a very popular subject. But the truth of the matter, we read about it in Hebrews, the 12th chapter. He says this, have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement? Yes, most people have. What word encouragement? The one that addresses you as fathers, addressing his son. Here's the word of encouragement. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the ones he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father. Sometimes stuff goes wrong in your life because God's smacking you upside the head. Now then it's not a matter of hide and seek. It's about repenting. Okay. Now this is very foundational. We take communion every Sunday at Celebration Church. The one thing Paul says about communion, he says, before you take communion, before you take those things, you need to examine yourself. Where am I at? Think about your week last week. Were you mean? Were you a jerk? Were you getting mad and cursing when you should have been praying? What were you acting like? If you you look at your life and go, oh. And then there's a chance for repentance, a chance to ask God, forgive me, Lord, for... Get it right. You want to keep a short account of God. You don't want to get into the "I'm going to kick your butt" mode. <laughs> are you hearing me? And if you're a true Christian, God—if you don't repent, God will kick your butt. i am often—I've stunned by people. You know, I've known people. Pastors, we've known people like this for years. You know, their lives are a disaster. They don't do anything right. They treat their family like garbage. They whine and complain and criticize the pastor all the time. They're just ah. And then all of a sudden everything goes wrong in their life and they come and say, Well, Pastor, the devil's really attacking me. <laughs> I always go, No, I don't think that's the devil. I think God's knocking you upside the head. These people who just never get it. They never get it. The first when something really goes, the first thing I do is go, Lord, you know, where am I at? Are you trying to get my attention? Because God's a big boy and He can get your attention. Now, if you do that and you don't sense anything, it's a hide and seek game. Move on. God isn't going to hold out on you. And with the times I've done that, and it is God trying to get my attention right away, he'll remind me that I said that thing to that person, I was really mean about this, or I failed it, and then I just repent. You don't have to feel bad, just as Pastor Burt said, change. Don't feel bad, change. That's what repentance is, change. Lord, forgive me. Okay, I'm going to watch out for that, and that kind of thing. So there is that discipline part of it. But aside from that, assuming one is not under the discipline of the Lord, view circumstances as a big cue that it's time to, To play hide and seek. Now if you're going to really play hide and seek with God. It usually involves two things. One of them extremely unpopular. But the two things are this. Fast and pray. Fast and pray. Now if you don't know what fasting is. It's when you don't eat. Not a very popular subject. That means you go for a meal. No eating. Maybe you go for two meals. No eating. Some of you need to go all day, do a whole day of fasting, no eating. Just turning your heart to God and playing hide and seek. God, where are you? Or some of you need to go two, three days. Now, it's not very exciting. And it can be very uncomfortable. But it's a way of telling your body to shut up so that you can focus on God. Focus, let your spirit come to life and get more sensitive as you play this hide and seek game with God. The good news is you will be rewarded but a lot of people have never done that and, and quite frankly it, it is one of the Christian disciplines it is a major Christian discipline one that we've almost forgotten about because we live in a culture today where nobody wants to quit doing what feels good at any given moment the idea of not doing something that feels good just be talking about this put the fear in some of your hearts right now because <laughs> you're already not even hearing me you're dreaming about cheeseburgers because you know it's getting close to 12 for heaven's sakes did he say I did he say I did you say that? ah Yeah, that's what I said, don't eat. If it's time to play, you want God to show up in your life? You're having a hard time finding God? Shut it in the mouth. Quit going, oh, pastor, I need comfort food. That's not comforting. Comfort food is when you quit eating the food, get to a place of spirituality. So you just need to, I know a lot of you have never done it. I bet you a whole lot of you have never done it. Because we, we don't talk about it much. Hardly anybody talks about it. Never done it. You need to do it. Especially if you're needing to find God to turn something around in your life. Stop eating. Skip a meal. You won't die. Truth is, a lot of us can use it. I speak from personal experience. You skip a meal. Skip a day of eating, it won't kill you. Quite frankly, the health benefits are through the roof. But when you're hungry and you feel that hunger, let your heart cry out to God. Say, Lord, where are you? I know you're there. I need you. Get to a place of faith. Say, why would I do that? Because he rewards those who... See, the problem is we don't believe the premise. If you believe the premise, you do it. The problem is if you don't really believe God will reward you... Then you're not going to do it. That's why it starts with that. You've got to understand, God will show up and bless your life. God so wants to bless your life that everybody around you will go, "Holy cow, what's with these people? Everything seems to go well with them. They do better when they shouldn't do better. They have more money than they should have. Things go. They always seem to get the best parking spaces. You know, they're, they're even protected when there's zero percent chance of rain. What is it with these people? It's reward. It's God rewarding. God loves. You know, God is like a great big grandpa with lots of money. But he's a smart grandpa. Unlike those of us who just like to give lots of money and spoil our kids. Because he'll only do it for your benefit. But he desperately wants to bless you. He wants to give you something. Do you know how many times Jesus said, Ask God. Ask God. Go ahead. (laughs) Come on. Ask him. Pray. He'll give you what you ask. He'll give you what you read a, read the Bible. See, you don't read a Bible. You sit there and listen to me talk about it, the Bible, you think you read the Bible, because you saw it up on a big fat screen for a few minutes. You actually read the goofy thing, for heaven's sakes. Read the Bible. See what Jesus, He's always telling, come on, pray. God wants to give you stuff. God wants to, so, oh, I never have that. Well, because you don't seek Him. Jesus knows it's in God's nature. He wants to bless you. He grins from ear to ear when things are going good and great in your life. He, wants to re- he rewards us. If you believe that premise that God will reward. Let's face it, people. If you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that 30 feet under the ground out here is a block of gold, you'd get out there with a spoon. You would. How many of you only had a spoon? You know I had to go through 30 feet of dirt and rock. If you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt there was a block of gold, how many would do it? I'd do it. Don't lie to me, you sinners. Raise your hands. Y'all you be fighting out there. Give me that spoon. It's my spoon. Why would you go through such misery? Because you know that 30 feet down, there's a block of gold. You'll do almost anything if you believe in the reward. Our problem isn't that we don't want to fast. Our problem is that we don't believe in the reward. See, Our problem isn't that we so much don't seek God. Is that we don't really believe he rewards those you got to get this. God loves to bless people. Faith brings real miracles, but miracles come where miracles are needed. God's love and protection for you and his divine intervention in your life does not mean nothing bad will happen. What it means is even though something bad may happen, even when there's 0% chance of rain, that God will triumph in your life. When lousy things come into your life, it's your cue to say, ready or not, here I come. But it has to be about him, chasing him. You know, some years ago, I, I showed this story. Actually, 10, 12 years ago, I showed this at, at this church. I don't know if some of you might remember this, but uh, Deb and I were in a situation where we had to sell a house. And we also still have a house that we haven't sold. If you'd like one, see me after the service. But uh, couldn't sell the dumb thing. Now the difference is, it's kind of interesting. See how God, he knows what you can handle and what you can't handle. We've had this dumb house for five years that we've been paying off. But we're still okay. But back then, it was a major deal. God shows up. See, God shows up. He likes to do miracles. He just doesn't do stuff for the sake of doing it. He likes to really change circumstances in your life. So anyway, we got to sell this house. What are, the, what are we going to do? We're we going to so I remember as I was driving on the road up to the church, it was like all of a sudden God turned the light on in my heart. See, it's good that you read the Bible because when you read the Bible, God's able to talk to you because he can remind you of stuff in the Bible. Hard for him to remind you of stuff in the Bible if you don't know what's in the Bible. Anybody follow that? All right. So there's this story in the Bible. Jesus called, it's called the parable of the unjust judge. Jesus told the story of this judge. He was a big fat jerk. And he wouldn't help anybody. Yeah, he's a jerk. He didn't listen to anybody. But there was this lady who wouldn't quit bugging him. Help me, help me, help me, help me. And finally the judge says, oh, for heaven's sakes, okay. Jesus said, pray like that. That's what he told us to pray. Pray like that. It's called seeking. Where are you? Where are you? And God said to me, as I'm coming, and I'm saying, Lord, what going to do about the house? He said, remember the unjust judge. Oh, cool. So that means he wants me to just start knocking like crazy. So I started praying Every time I prayed Every time I prayed about anything I'd end the prayer with Lord, sell my house And I remember I'd see people praying around the church And I'd go and I'd join Can I pray with you guys? Sure, everybody would say Yeah, sure And I'd get in there For only one reason As soon as I got to the end of the prayer I said, God, sell my house I, Everywhere I remember going to people's houses We were praying for people And and I would go I volunteered As soon as I heard that We're going to go pray for somebody Can I come? Well, sure Everybody lets you come pray, right? But the reason I wanted to come Because at the end of their prayer, I wanted to say, God, sell my house. I wanted to put a post-it note to God everywhere I could. I didn't want God to be able to hear a prayer coming out of this church without a post-it note for me saying, sell my house. And I'm telling you, I am having a blast with this. I'm having so much fun. This is so cool. I just know God is getting bugged constantly every turn. God, sell my house. God, sell my house. God I am having a blast. Finally, on the seventh day, the realtor calls us and says, this is amazing. We just got an offer on your house. They offered more than you asked for it. Why? Because God is a rewarder. Yeah, yeah, but wait, 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 wait. As soon as I heard her say that on the phone, I felt disappointed. As honest as I can tell you. I mean, that was my, I just went, "Ah." Okay, why? I was having so much fun chasing after God. I made it a game. It was a riot. When the fire was like, Oh, man, the game's over. Isn't that right, Deb? That's exactly just Oh, man. What happened? We sold the house. How much? Oh, more than we were asking. What's the problem? The game's over. I was having so much fun with the game. But see, most people don't get this. And I remember for months later, people would come up to me and say, oh, Pastor, I'm trying to sell a house. How did you do that? What was the formula? What was the, for- so that's, that's how I always know people don't get this. I'm going to be teaching you about faith. I'm going to be showing you the general formula in a sense. But it's not about the formula. It's about seeking him. It's not about the gift. It's about the giver. If you come up to me and say, well, pastor, how exactly do I have to do this? I'm going to slap you. It's not, and people go, "Oh, Pastor, now how, how do you do?" And people are, people are always in a such, you know, formula. You should have heard some of the formulas I heard before I started praying about selling the house. One guy said, "You know, Pastor, if you take a statue of Saint Christopher and you bury him in the backyard upside down, I'm not sure what Christopher thinks of that, but uh, uh, you know, then and sprinkle it with holy water, then you'll sell your house." Are you kidding me? God hates that stuff. Hear me, God hates that stuff. These religious formulas. You know what formulas? That's witchcraft formulas. Do this little eye of newt, little bat wing girl. (laughs) Get just the right formula. (laughs) Little eye of newt. What is a newt? I don't know what a newt is. Do they have eyes? Apparently they have eyes, these newts. And they, and winked and a little, you know, girl, blood from a frog, you know, that's, you know, only six days old, and they boil it together, and they come there with a formula, and, or, you know, the Harry Potter, you know, if you just say, Zalabagoon, Zalababing, you know, things will happen. Zalababoon, Zalababing. That is witchcraft. I promise you, God does not respond to that stuff. He doesn't care about your stupid formula. Well, oh, Pastor, if I just quote this verse, I know it'll happen. He's not into formulas. Now some of that can be helpful, but that's not what it's about. It's about seeking Him. Because when you get a hold of Him, He rewards those who generously seek Him. Have you ever noticed? again, I know that you don't read the Bible, that's why you don't this stuff. Have you ever noticed Jesus was constantly changing the formula when He prayed for people? One time He'd lay hands on somebody and get healed. Another time He'd just talk to them and they would get healed. Another time someone would just touch the hem of His garment and they'd get healed. Another time He told people, just go away and you'll get healed. He did. He said, go show yourself to the priest. We're not stopping think, this really bites. You come sick, and he says, go away sick. Well, he don't mean I'll show... No, no, go show yourself to the priest. Well, oh, what a drag. I come all the way here, I'm sick. And all he says, go, go away sick. So they're going away sick. Man, a lot of you would be so mad. Stupid Jesus stupid. Gee, I came and he's I'm sicker than a dog and he tells me to go away sick than a dog. I said, I said, <laughs> so he said, okay. So they go away sick and all of a sudden on the way, the Bible says instantly they were healed. Wow. One time this guy comes when he's blind and he lays hands on the blind guy and he starts to see. But he only started seeing partially. And they laid hands on him again, and now he could see totally. Another time he changes the formula. Guy comes, he's blind, he takes mud, and he spits in the mud. Pfft. And he makes mud spit. And he takes it and he puts it all over the guy's eyes and says, Go wash your eyes. Do you think? <laughs> Thanks for the mud blind guy putting mud on a blind guy who does that what kind of, who, do, who does stuff like that what a terrible thing to do a, and he started washing his and he opened his eyes and he could see he was constantly changing the formula do you know why cause he knows us if every time Jesus healed somebody he made it spit mud everywhere in America churches this morning would have dirt up at the front And the elders would gather around and we'd all spit. (laughs) And we'd make mud and then we'd come and we'd squish it on your face. You know that's what we do. You know that's what we do. We'd be the church of the loogie. Because it's the formula. Got to have the formula. Got to do it just this way. We were just in Africa. We drove by this church. When we anoint you, we use holy oil from the holy land. So apparently their prayers are better than the church that just uses Crisco Because it's from the holy land. People, oh well let's go to that church because they have holy, because they're looking for that right formula. When you start getting into formula mode, God checks out. He doesn't care about your stupid formula. He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace in our lives. God, we thank you that you love us, that you desire to bless us, that you want to reward us. But help us, Lord, to be seekers, not complainers, not panickers, not whiners, but seekers. Because we know that when we seek you, we will find you. And you will reward those who earnestly seek you. Help us always, Lord, as we teach on this, to keep in mind this is about the giver, not the gift. In
1: Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. 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 I'm going to invite ushers if they would come as we just prepare for communion this morning. Invite our musicians as they return back on stage. We open up our hearts. In a few moments we'll be joining together as a family and partaking of communion. But before we do that, Pastor Mark has been challenging us with about faith, real faith. Faith that will produce in our lives real miracles, real change. And even as we've heard this morning again from Hebrews chapter eleven, where it talks about that that it's without faith it's impossible to to please God. Because He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Earnestly seeking Him. Are you earnestly seeking God this morning? We know there's a part of which that Jesus was a seeker as well. He sought after your life and my life. You remember the story of Zacchaeus? Last Sunday, Pastor Bert shared a little bit about it. But you remember the story? That Jesus was walking along that road and Zacchaeus had climbed up in a tree. So he could see better. Short little guy like Pastor Mark. Need to get up in a tree. But I'm guessing that he probably was pretty visible in that tree. He wanted somebody to find him. And he got up in that tree and Jesus walked by and he looked up and he he, sought, and he saw him and he told him to come down. I'm coming to your house. I'm going to allow the, my life and all that I am to change your life and your household. If you look at Luke chapter 19, verse 10, the last part of that story, it says this. For the Son of Man, talking about Jesus, came to seek and to save what was lost. I want to say to you this morning, that Jesus, the Holy Spirit, here this morning, is seeking your life. He's seeking after you. If you're not a born-again believer, if you've never accepted Christ into your life, As your Lord and your Savior. He's seeking you this morning. He's looking for you to seek after him. But he's seeking after you. Just as Jesus said that Jesus has come. The Holy Spirit is seeking you. Now you may be hiding in a tree. But the Holy Spirit right at this moment. In this part of the service is is convicting you. You know what that is? It's God. Seeking you. Putting his finger on your life. Saying you need me. You need my forgiveness. You need salvation. You need to repent. You need to confess your sin. You need faith. The faith we're talking about. Real faith that will change your life. So you may ask, well, Pastor Lathan, how do I do that? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. We're going to pray a very simple prayer this morning. I'm going to invite all of us to pray this prayer. This prayer is... It's not a magic wand that, that gets waved. But as you pray this prayer, it's the beginning place. It's the starting place in your walk. It's the place where you can connect your faith, this faith we are talking about, this real faith with the truth of God's word that has been preached this morning. And allow your life to, the process, the beginning place to start your walk of faith with God. Allowing this faith to change your life. So I'm going to invite you this morning, if you would just bow your heads with me. I'm going to pray a prayer invite you to pray the prayer after me. invite all of you to pray together. But again, this morning, if you're in a tree this morning and you're up there because you wanted to see Jesus, you wanted to see God at work, and you know that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you this morning and Jesus is walking by, he's going to stop. He's going to look up at that tree and he's going to call you by name. Maybe Zacchaeus, but it may be Lathan, it may be Tom, it may be Mary, it may be your name. If you don't know him this morning, as you're praying this prayer, a beginning place in your walk with him. So would you repeat these words after me? Say, Dear Lord Jesus, something in my heart tells me I need you. I now confess my sin and repent of my sin and by faith ask you to come into my life as my Savior and my Lord. Amen.